Good evening everyone. Just a brief talk tonight, um, a little bit of background. Um, I have a friend and colleague, um, Belinda Kong, who I do um, peer supervision with as a psychologist. Um, you may, some of you know, know Belinda. She's very well um, known for her work in um, um, mindfulness and she's a Buddhist practitioner herself and she's been very um, instrumental in bringing people like um, John Kabat-Zinn to um, Australia. And um, we're very uh, like-minded in our views of various things. Anyway, um, Belinda did her um, PhD thesis on um, Heidegger. Do you know Martin Heidegger, the German existentialist? And uh, she was telling me a little bit about him. I knew a bit about him, but she was um, giving me a little more detail. And um, I immediately thought it was a, a theme for a Dharma talk, what we were talking about. But Martin Heidegger was in many ways a kind of um, a closet Zen Buddhist. And um, he was very much influenced by Zen Buddhism. And you can see the parallels in his philosophy very, very much when you look into it. But one of the terms he talked about was um, the what he called the technological attitude and the meditative attitude. And he gave an example of what he meant. And he used the river Rhine in, in Germany as an example. He said you can look at the river Rhine and, and you can think about what all its useful purposes are. Like you can build a power station on it and make electricity or you could dam it for crops and so on or you could fish out of it or whatever. And that he described as the technological attitude, as looking at things in life in terms of what they can be used for. Mm -hmm. um, and then what he called the meditative attitude was just seeing the Rhine River as the Rhine River, mm -hmm. right? just as a river. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily its purpose and what it can do for me and how it can be useful and so on, but just simply as a river. And um, he was emphasising how our Western culture is driven more towards this technological attitude in the way that we see things, you know, in the way that we view the world, and, um, and valuing the importance of the meditative attitude and cultivating the meditative attitude. And um, he, his, uh, the, there's a German word called um, Dysan, and there was a therapy developed out of it called Dysan Analysis by a Swiss psychiatrist. But Dysan translates as openness, mm -hmm. open mind. And um, there's, there's very strong resonances there, you know, with our own meditative experience and doing Zen training. But if you extend it further, um, we can have <coughs> technological or meditative attitudes, one towards the way that we relate to ourselves, right, and also the, the way that we relate to other people. Um, but say like the way we relate to other people is that there can, can be a, a way of being around other people, even in people close to us, where our, our attitude is um, how, how useful is this person to me? Like, do they make me happy or not? Do you know, or do they give me what I need? And 
and do I need to try and tweak their behaviours a bit better this way or that way, do you know, so that they, they're more useful? Mm -hmm. um, or can we rate, relate to other people in, the, in terms of just letting them be? Right? Can we just see another person as their own being and their own unique being and they don't necessarily have to be there to be useful to us or not? Right? Um, and we shift out of that. And you see a parallel in this in, in um, some of the, um, the theologians who are influenced by Heidegger, but like um, Martin Buber. You know Martin Buber's um, statement about the I-it relationship or the I-thou relationship? It's touching on the same, the same ground there. Uh -huh. When we have an, an I-it relationship to something or to someone, it's kind of like they're just an object. You know, they're just there with some kind of um, utility or lack of utility, and we view it in that way. But when it's an I-thou relationship, that 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 um, touches on the like interbeing. You know, the the the, the sacred connectedness between you and me, and just letting 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 people just be who they are. Mm -hmm. And if we follow that through into relationships, um, and those of you like me who do relationship counselling, you can often see couples trying to fix the other person up. You know, if I can just if I can just fix them up, you know, then the relationship will be okay. And maybe really what our challenge is, is to let, let others just be mm -hmm. um, and see what actually transforms out of that experience. If you apply the same principles to the way that we relate to ourselves, um, a lot of our, our thinking and even the way, um, like Belinda and I, are critical of the way mindfulness has been taken out of Buddhism um, because it's turned into another technological attitude. How can I use mindfulness to fix myself up? Mm -hmm. And maybe I can get rid of that depression and that anxiety and, da -da -da, and then, then I can fix myself. But really the, the Zen perspective in which we meditate is, is actually, not, it's actually not to fix anything, really. In its deepest sense, it's really, it's really not to fix anything at all because the whole point is the 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 uh, the way things are right now if we just let things be as they what they are um, this actually isn't a problem there isn't anything to fix mm -hmm. and and so you're deaf in one ear so right mm -hmm. they've got to be fixed mm -hmm. You can't, you can't walk or run or move as easily what you did 20 years ago, so it's just the way things are. Mm -hmm. It's got to be fixed about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we often, you know, you often see people in, in therapy, for instance, but it happens in meditative contexts as well, um, of people trying to fix themselves up so then everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like it's using, it's using the, the method of Zen in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. It takes, takes you down the wrong path. 
um, rather than really seeing into the into the deeper um, side of what the practice is. But then, hey, when we just let things be, things seem to transform. Mm -hmm. And a lot of suffering seems to then just naturally fall away and things right themselves. Mm -hmm. So paradoxically, something um, does transform through that experience. That's why the Buddha, you know, the Buddha's Four Noble Truths is that there's suffering, but there's an end to it as well. You know, you let things be, and um, and suffering comes to an end in a in a in a deeper sense of that word. Mm -hmm. um, but the technological attitude um, pervades um, so much of the thinking in our culture. You know, and you can get caught up in it. Um, and like I was saying in, in session um, a few weeks ago, in, in many, it's an old-fashioned word, but I want to revive it, um, is that, that Zen practice is very countercultural. You know, it, it's, it's not going with that kind of, may I say, herd instinct, you know, of more technology, more technology is going to resolve things. You know, it's, it's moving out of that into a different paradigm, um, which is not what the mainstream of our culture is actually thinking or doing, even when they turn mindfulness into another technique. Mm 